Welcome to the Happy Being Well podcast, where we talk about strategies and insights so you can live happy being well with your host, Rita Perugia. This podcast is presented by happybeingwell.com, your online store providing the best in all natural wellness products, such as natural essential oils, all natural bath products, all natural facial masks, all natural deodorants, irresistible leggings, crystals, including crystal home decor and kitchen items, herbal teas, natural sleep aids, and so much more natural wellness goodies at happybeingwell.com. Free shipping on any order within the USA at happybeingwell.com. Now enjoy the show. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Happy Being Well. We have a really, really exciting guest today. Uh, we have David Richmond with us. And I talked to David a little bit on the pre-call, and he's has an amazing, inspiring story of transformation to share and all the gifts and goodies that came as a result of what he learned on this journey and how he's helping others to propel in their lives as a result of what he's learned. And so I'm really, really excited to dive deep in this conversation of transformation with David Richmond. Um, so before we dive deep with David, this podcast is sponsored by happybeingwell.com, your online store for activewear leggings, crystals, natural facial masks, natural deodorants, natural bath salts, bath bombs, and so much more for all your self-care activities at happybeingwell.com. Use code podcast25 for 25% off all leggings. Subscribe to Happy Being Well's email newsletter for 10% off all items. Free shipping in the USA. So welcome, David, to the podcast. I am Thank super you. excited yeah. that you're here. So you yeah. are... So David Richmond is a speaker, author, and endurance athlete, and he really has a remarkable story to share with us and a, a lot we can relate to on so many different levels. So David, like, share with us, how did your journey of transformation begin and what did you have to overcome? And you also have amazing, amazing, you know, programs and books to share with people and, you know to share how they can up level and prepare their lives forward as well. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question because I was just thinking about, as you, as you said, a transformation kind of means like going from, you know, point A to point B where there's a big change. Right. And, mm. and, uh, my life was always transforming from one problem or issue to another, one challenge to another one, you know, mountain to climb over to another, but I never really transformed anything because I, I never had point A. Like I never, I never found myself at a point where I could go, oh, this is point A. I don't want to be here. I got to get to point B. It was just like always struggling, always just trying to figure it out. I kind of like to tell people that the first like 30 plus years of my life, I just lived with my head down and just tackled every problem that came in front of me. And I learned a whole lot of lessons, but I just never knew how to apply them to myself. And um, in my late 30s, um, I found myself at that point A, which was for me partly successful. I was running a big business for a major Wall Street firm, had you know a couple hundred employees. I was responsible for a major amount of revenues, and you know I was having a vibrant career. But on the flip side of the coin, my personal life was pretty much in shambles. I was uh, overweight, you know, pretty severely overweight. I was a smoker. I was pretty, very unhealthy, uh, not active, not 
involved in any amount of self-care. I had uh, married somebody I shouldn't have been uh, pursuing, let alone marrying. Uh, she was a, a very angry, abusive alcoholic. Uh, we had kids. We had four-year-old twins. And it was getting to the point where they were becoming as much in danger as I was. And I was just like at the lowest point of my personal life that I could be only because I had some awareness. And I didn't even have awareness until a friend looked at me and and said what I needed to hear at the right time. And that's the funny thing about life is we could know something and hear our friends tell us like a hundred times over, but until we actually hear it, like we don't hear it, right? And so I, I just remember the night very clearly, Rita, I was uh, with my buddy and and I was complaining about my personal situation. You know, I'm just like, how can this be this way? And how can that be that way? And how can she be like this? And why do I have to deal with that? And blah, 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 blah. And my buddy just said, look, dude, I'm literally done hearing you complain. He goes, because what you do is you encounter problems like they're rabid dogs, like rabid animals. And you take it home and you feed it and you comb it and you bathe it and you be nice to it. And then you pet it and it bites you. And you're wondering like, why? It's just a rabid animal. It doesn't know any better. Like, like why are you finding problems all the time? Why don't you look in the mirror and see who you are? Because you're the problem. And I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> Hell no, I'm not. But, you know, I probably, you know, how many times have you thought like, well, if you're making 10 bad decisions in a row, it's not the other 10 people that are making the problem. It's you. And I just didn't, didn't even occur to me. So I literally went home that, that night, Rita, and I, I looked in the mirror and I'm just like, like, who are you? Like, what's your deal? And I didn't have any answers. And so that was my point A. I'm just like, wow, I'm right here. I'm a complete freaking wreck, right? I'm traumatized from this life that I've been leading that you know, had all kinds of problems, most of which I created. Um, and I didn't know who I was and who I was going to be and anything about myself because I had kept my head down the whole time. And um, and so that's that's kind of like where my story of transformation started. Mm. You know, I think a lot of people can relate, especially toxic relationships. So many people can relate to that. Um, I was in one myself and, you know, and we just had these blinders on um, until we dive deep, which you actually do a workshop helping people do, to do a deep dive into um, to connect with themselves. I didn't I would engage in um, self-awareness exercises, but I didn't go deep enough until you really hit a wall and you really realize, you know, how um, energetically toxic it is and how really it's in, really, really affecting your life. I think because energy is invisible, we really don't. And we're just so used to living in a 3D world where we have to see things um, to see, to understand how a, you know, a how cause and effect, the whole cause and effect relationship, right? Like for example, you go to job, you go to a job, you work and you see your paycheck, you know, you see it in your account. So the cause and effect, well, you know, we're just, that's just one example of many things of how we live our life with our visual or auditory. But when it comes to a toxic relation, just, we make excuses, uh, you know, if, if they're, you know, maybe gaslighting us or yelling at us for something that's just absurd. Um, you know, it doesn't last the whole time. It goes away, but it sucks our energy. We're upset. Uh, we, we have that stress. And then we just, 
whatever, just shake it off. And then the next day happens and it happens again. So it's just the chronic stress buildup over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it can cause like chronic fatigue. It can cause uh, a nervous breakdown. It could cause you not to think clearly, you know, and, and hinder your job performance at work or your career or your business because you are traumatized. You're, you're suffering all these little traumas every day and it can really build up in your mind and body um, and cause consequences to mm-hmm. your ability to show up fully in life in all areas of your life because you're just bogged down. Yeah, not just show up. I mean, just live authentic, live your best life, live with meaning, live with purpose. And, you know, if you're if you're always dealing with issues, if you're always dealing with unresolved trauma, if you're always dealing with to- toxicity, whether it's at work, in relationships or whatever, then that's just it's just a detractor from you focusing on yourself. And, you know, there's 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 no way that you can't make a a direct correlation. If if you're happier and you're your best self and you're living an authentic on purpose life, the people around you are going to be that too. You're going to attract that kind of energy, right? And mm-hmm. if you're if you're um, wallowing in self pity or you're self sabotaging or you're avoiding dealing with major issues or you're self medicating, you're doing whatever, you're going to have those type of that type of energy coming back at you as well. And, you know, I just, in my case, I I just said, well, listen, if it's possible, and maybe it's possible that I'm the cause of all the problems, because maybe I'm the one that's attracting the the problems to fix. Maybe I'm the one that's trying, I mean, look, no no question. I know a lot of your listeners are women. I hate to sound so cliche, but I I found out that I married my mother. I didn't know (laughs) it going into it. Right. But my mom was an angry, mean, unpredictable, just terrible terrible person and 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 so what did i do i didn't know it at the time but shortly afterward i did i i I married married her so i could fix that fix that trauma from my childhood right well that's the that's the problem like like we need to not deal with those things like why am i attracting problems that i need to try to fix that that aren't fixable why am i continuing to bang my head on a on a rock hoping that I'm going to break the rock. I'm only going to bring, bang, bang my head. And so um, it was a real seminal moment for me because when I did, and I, I'm not saying figuratively, like Reed, I literally stood in front of the mirror and I talked to myself out loud, not, not in that inside voice where we, where we, you know, are a little kid inside, but in the outside voice where I could hear myself ask the questions, like, who are you? Like, what are you made of? Like, what are your, what are your problems? What are your, what are your assets? What are your, you know, what are your issues? You know, what haven't you done that you need to do? Like, I didn't know anything. And it was shocking because I'm just like, wow, you've lived 30 odd years and you have no clue as to who you are and what's what's it like to live on purpose and authentic and what's your place in the world? How do you interact with the world? Like, I didn't have any of those answers. And it was like an eye opener for me. And so uh, the step one for me, there's only three steps, but steps one for me in transformation was taking a very honest, stark look at myself and go, okay, like stop complaining about everything else and stop like like being a victim and stop being cynical. Just be honest and truthful and 
look in the mirror and do an honest self-assessment, mm-hmm. which is it's hard to do. It's, it's really hard to do. Um, and I have good things about me and I was pr- proud of those, but I have way more bad things about me and, and I had to face them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's what the first step was, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, um, hard for most people to do. I, for, I think for a lot of different reasons, I think one is, we're not, um, you know, I can speak for myself. To, I, we're not really conditioned or taught. It's not really spoken about in mainstream media to do this. You know, we're conditioned and taught, be well-groomed, you know, show up in the job interview, be well-groomed, um, you know, be well-spoken, the proper grammar, speaking proper grammar. You know, uh, we're just taught just, you know, focusing on things that make us responsible, functional citizens of society, Um you know, just the good stuff, like what's sexy, be sexy, or, you know, like mm-hmm. just um, always presenting and focusing on the good aspects, presenting a good image is really emphasized in our culture. Well, that's, the, that's the core of who, who I was. And a lot of people this resonates with, right? I, I wrote this book called Winning in the Middle of the Pack, where um, this this concept in the middle of the pack is like nobody's looking. Like nobody wa- nobody watches people in the middle. Nobody cares. Nobody's looking. So if you're in the middle of the pack, which ninety nine percent of us are, right? We're not the last person across the line. We're not the first person across the line. So we're in the middle. Um, we got to care about what we think. And so you know, I just w- when I started to do that assessment, I started going, you know what, Rita? Like, hey, uh, yeah, all I ever do is try to fit into a box to make the boss happier. I need to act a certain way because that's what you do to make the teacher happy or to get ahead in the world or to, you know, find a the correct mate. You got to put on this front. You got to like you always me, I was always wondering how was I being perceived? You know, how did I need to act? How did I need to portray myself? And that's how I would get accepted. That's how I measured my worth. And you know, maybe the truth is that you should be yourself and you should be your true authentic self and not what you think others want you to be, um, which was a hard concept for me to really understand. And it's kind of like everything behind the statement of like you, you should do things that, that you do because you get to do them, not because you have to do them, right? Don't go to work and do a certain things because you have to, like you get to, so go do it and make most of it or go do something else, right? Right. Like you don't have to come home and make your family dinner. You get to. And because why? You're, you're in a happy marriage and you, you want to do that. And you get to do that. If you have to do it, stop doing it. Because right, it's not, it's, it's, in the end, it's not, it's not real because you're doing it not for yourself. And I'm, I'm not talking about being selfish. But I'm just talking about putting your purpose and your authenticity and who you really are and who you want to be first, which a lot of times is an unselfish thing, right? You do things for other people, but, but you do it because you want to, or you go to work, you know, if somebody said to you, Hey, Rita, I'm going to give you a million dollars to do X. You might go, X is not worth a million bucks to me. But if I said to you, Hey, Rita, do X and I'll give you an extra year of life. You might go, all right. Or if I do X for you and I go, and you might uh, go to bed uh, uh, a lot easier every night. That, that you'd be like, damn, I'm doing X right away, right? And so the things that motivate you, the things that are a payoff to who you want to be in this world 
are what's most important. And, and I hadn't learned that. I, I had no idea what made me happy or who I was. I just knew who I tried to be for everybody else, which is a, I, I know it's a little cliche-ish, but it's, it's absolutely true in my case anyway. Yeah, it's totally, it's the absolute truth. I think, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's kind of like, um, we all, especially when smoking was popular, like in the nineties, eighties, seventies, um, we like, so there was much more like smoke. I mean, you could smoke in the malls, you could smoke at the restaurants. It was like a widely accepted and it was, and it was actually cool. Right. Like I remember I, cause I, when I was in high school, that was the message I got. Smoking is cool. Um, in terms of what was being released in the mainstream media with movies and TV shows and such. Um, so, but they always had the Surgeon General's warning, even though it and it had these horrific pictures of like you know it causes cancer and it would have like these awful images of what it can it you know it was like, mm-hmm. but we still would do it right. Like I'm not a smoker, but I was a social smoker back in the um, during my like high school years um, mm-hmm. because it was so cool and it was like the cool kids would do right. And so I'm trying to say is we intellectually knew it was bad for us. We even had graphic images on the Surgeon General's like uh, cigarette packs, right? It, that looked like really scary, like a, worse than a horror movie. And yet we would still do it, right? So I think yeah. that, um, you know, in regards to, even I can speak to myself too, like I, for example, it was it was really hard to leave the toxic relationship or toxic relationships in general and friendships as well. I tolerated it because, you know, I was, I was covertly groomed or conditioned covertly just through the dynamics of the relationship with my primary caregivers, um, to be a codependent. And so I didn't know that at the time or whatever, but, you know, I would hear going to all these personal development seminars over and over and over again, cut off toxic relations, cut off, cut off. Like that was one of the, you know, keys to success too. And I just would hear it and hear it. And there were some people that I knew that were toxic and, but the thing is with toxic relationships, as you know, they're not always toxic hundred percent of the time or else we definitely would be cutting them off. They can be very sweet and charming and doting on you at times. Um, but those are just brief moments. And then we're just so afraid to lose that relationship, whether it be a friendship or an actual relationship with your, um, intimate partner. Um, there's a fear there, like you might lose something. So or, you know, you feel like, you know, you're, you obviously care for them and there's feelings there. So you tolerate it, um, because you have hope it's going to change or you can inspire them or something like that. Um, so I'm trying, so in my case, it really took me to get to a point where it was like, okay, this is really taking a toll on my energy. This is really taking, it's just like, I've had, I just get to the point where you just have enough, right? In Mm -hmm. my case. Um, But once you, I did it, I cut off all the toxic relationships. My energy just totally skyrocketed. And I remember feeling to myself, God, I really wish I'd done this earlier, right? So it's just, everyone's got a different journey as to how to get there. Yeah. Um, And, And mine was a combination of that but less that than kind of like dealing with the toxic parts of me, you know, like I, 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 I don't know if I had this like inner voice, but I certainly had a desire to say, 
like, wow, dude, you're clearly not living your best life. You're not the best person you can be. You haven't worked on what you care about and what makes you happy at all. Um, so that became like a draw for me. It's like, wow, if I could fix this about me, if I could make this better, if I could live more authentically, if I could be, you know, doing things on purpose, if I could change my mindset, if I could, you know, start leaning into positive experiences rather than looking for negative ones to turn into positive ones. If I could just do all these things that would just be working on myself, then I figured that was a, that was a great start. Cause I mean, you certainly can't change anybody else, but most people also don't worry about changing themselves. And, um, and I, and, 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 you know, that's fine. But how many times do we know that we, we have a friend or something? Do we know that we, we have a friend or something and they go, Oh, I'm just this way, or that's just the way things are. Or what? And I just sit there going, no, they're not like you accepted it, but it doesn't mean that's the way it is. And I had accepted all of this bad stuff in my life. And I said, no, that's, I'm no, it's not that way. Like, 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 let me just change me and see if, see if I can have an effect on my experience with the world. And, and that's what I did. So I literally like said, okay, start making changes. And I, and I changed almost everything about the way I viewed myself in the world and what, what I did and the way I, the way I measured myself and the way I challenged myself, all of those things changed literally from A to Z, they changed, you know, and, and, and it was mostly through endurance athletics and, and, and learning, you know, uh, from that, that that's really what for, for me, the key was that like some people, they could do it through art or they could do it through therapy or you could do it through, you know, going on a journey of self-discovery or whatever. No, I did it through endurance athletics and, um, and, and that taught me many men and still continues to teach me lessons, uh, all the time. I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of endurance events. And, and every time I do one, I learn I learn stuff, a lot of stuff. And, um, that, that became the, the goal for me is like, how, how can I fix me? Well, what, what do I need to learn? And, 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 you know, I'm not hundred percent fixed, but I'll tell you what, I'm a hell of a lot better myself than I was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what were, yeah. So what was the lessons that you learned from, you know, um, endurance, being an endurance athlete, becoming an endurance athlete, um, that led to your success? What were the parallels there? What was the lessons? Well, I'll, I'll give you two come to, come to mind, right? So one of them is like the aha moment of it's okay to worry about yourself and not other people. So I'll give you one. So uh, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with like Ironmans or half Ironmans, that type of stuff. So um, I had quit smoking in uh, February of, of the year. And by March, I was doing 5Ks by April. And I had smoked 250,000 cigarettes over 20 years. I mean, I was a smoke, smoker smoker. Right? Mm -hmm. And I was, at that point, I was 60, 70 pounds overweight. So I quit smoking. Then I started running. And then I started doing triathlons. And like about four or five months after I stopped smoking and started to do this stuff, I, I went to go do a half Ironman, which is basically uh, you know, a six or eight hour event. You know, you're swimming 1.2 miles, you're biking 56 miles, and then you're running a half marathon all in succession. And at this point, I'm still very new into my journey. I'm still very overweight. I'm very in 
sure of what I'm doing. And I, I've never done anything like that before, not even close. So I, I go up to the, to, to the uh, race and the start uh, the next day is one of these wave starts. So not everybody goes off at the same time. They send people off in different waves because you're swimming in a river. So they can't put a thousand people in the river at once. You know, they, they send them off in waves. And I go to the start line because I got all of this nervous energy, Rita. And I look down, I remember looking down from the riverbank to the river and everybody, every man and woman there was a Greek god or goddess. Like there was like an ounce of fat between any of them. They were just strutting around in their Speedos and their bikinis, you know, looking amazing. They were all just toned and athletic. You could see them stretching. And I'm just going, what the F am I even doing here? Like, this is completely stupid. I totally don't belong here. Like, okay, this is not me. Like, everybody's going to look at me. They're going to know I'm not an athlete. I'm the one guy standing out that doesn't know anything. And I look like crap against all these other people. And what the heck? And I almost really went back in my car and said, I'm going home. I almost did that. And then the gun went off. And the swimmers jumped in the water. And, of course, like 90% of them swam away like real swimmers. But then all of a sudden there's this dude. And he flips over on his back. And he starts reverse doggy paddling and another guy like side swims in a circle he doesn't even know how to swim and somebody else is walking along the river's edge because they're afraid to get in the water and i'm like really like like they're here like nobody cares they don't care what anybody else is thinking they're just doing their best they could care less what they like if they did that and and aren't aware of or don't care about anybody else watching them why do i care like nobody's gonna they're all dealing with their own race they're not worried about me and I was just like, wow, that's really cool. Like, like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Guess what? Not everybody in the freaking world is worried about you. Right. In fact, nobody is, which is really awesome. Right. So, okay. I could just be there and do my best for me. So that was a, that was a, a real eye opening thing for me. I was just like, yeah, it's all made up in my head. Nobody is giving me an ounce of attention. And that's a great thing because. Mm-hmm. If I'm there, I'm there for myself. I'm, I'm going to see what I can do. Mm-hmm. That's what they're all doing. Why did Why did it take me so long to learn that? So that was pretty awesome. So that's one. Um, I mean, I could give you a million. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can. Know. But <laughs> two would do for today. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's okay. So no, that. Story, that they're, no, 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 they're great stories. I love listening to them. I'm sure everyone on the pod is, loves listening to them. Um, that is like an epic lesson to learn is just focus on yourself and not what others are doing because it's such a huge distraction. It's pulling away your focus and energy. And again, that's like one of the, the universal laws to success. And we actually see it in classic movies too. Like whenever we see somebody like, we see it through the the hero's journey of um like in the movie rocky not in the not um in the early movies but it was kind of touched more upon when um the later movies like i think it's like stallone released one in like 2006 like rocky he didn't call it rocky he called it um creed Creed? Rocky Balboa, creed. yeah, Rocky, yeah, Rocky Balboa was released in 2006. Yeah, the Creed. Um, when he's older now, and he trains Apollo Creed's sons. So I think it was mm-hmm. just called Creed. Yeah. So that lesson was in it because now he's training um, Apollo Creed's son, and I think there was a moment where I think he might have been standing in a mirror. I think I'm getting confused with magic because the magic mic that happened too. Another, you know, hero's journey of 
even, this, even though this was training the guy to be what um a male stripper but he right. was still like um matthew mcconaughey was training like his apprentice you know it's just you and him like basically referring to the mirror like it's just you and you like focus right. on you uh same right. thing with with the creed movie he was trying to tell the get the kid you know just focus on you like don't focus on what the other guy is doing um obviously in relation to a fight like he would afterwards be cognizant of the, of your opponent's weaknesses right because you're fighting you have to like be stronger mm -hmm. in whatever his weakness is if you had a weak uh left you know have a stronger left jab or whatever like that but right. initially it was focused on you like develop you um to be a better fighter but we see this it's a very constant theme in like books personal development books um you know people always sharing their success journeys is like really just focused on you and even for myself too like like i find whenever i'm just kind of in that zone of like focusing on what i'm doing or what i could do or lessons learned from the past like just me um so many magical gems of insight and strategies and things come to me right without i really yeah because you just get totally sidetracked if you look to your left or your right um especially mm -hmm. you know when you're in a marathon like imagine if you're running and you're just constantly looking and you <laughs> to your left and your right right and you're you're just like but that's what we do in relationships that's what we do with friendships that's what we do in business if you want to get ahead in the corporate world man you're always wondering how am i being perceived right if you're you know there's so many areas in your life where you could measure yourself on how am i being perceived or what what do people think of me and it's very rare that we get to um, put the more importance to how do I think of me, and that that's you know it's like if you're in a if you're in a, a boardroom and somebody calls calls on you for to answer a question, I mean it. My go-to would be like, oh shit, do I gotta say what I'm supposed to say? Are people like wondering how I'm gonna say? You know, do I need to have a certain body language? Do I have to come off confident? Do I have to kiss the boss's ass when I'm giving the answer? Like all these things are running through my head rather than just answer the question and be yourself like like really right because we know that in that situation you're being perceived or it's possible you're being perceived in a million different ways so um i think that we get it's very easy i think uh in a lot of situations for us to care more about what others think or what we think others might think of us than what we think of us and that was a big eye-opener for me you know it it um it was it was the first of many many like very hardcore impactful you know 20 years later still haven't left me kind of lessons mm, love that love that and you're mm -hmm. doing so much like as a result you're you have like you wrote the book cycles of lives right the title cycle mm -hmm. of lives yeah you wrote in a book the cycle about of lives yeah yeah uh -huh. so and um were you basically you know, interviewed people that had traumas and mm -hmm. and learned insights through what they were they were going through and yeah, you know, how they transformed. I would imagine. Um, can you talk talk to us about your book? Yeah, I can talk to you about that one real quick because I know we don't have it uh, all day long to talk. But <laughs> yeah, just so, like so when. <laughs> So when I'll just give you a super, super quick story is a couple of years into this journey of discovery and transformation. And, you know, I was well along my path to 
um, becoming the best me that I could try to become. Um, my sister, who I was very, very close to an age um, and very close to, she was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And I thought, oh, man, here I am on this journey that's going to lead to this, you know, long, you know, wonderful, happy, authentic life. And at the same time, she's on a journey to, you know, her near death. And so um, it was really taken by that. And I tried to spend as much time with her as I could and talk to her as much as I could. And one of the dynamics that I noticed was that doctors and nurses and patients, family, friends, you name it, they're really good about dealing with the tasks around the cancer but they were just not equipped to deal with the emotional side of it. And I don't mean everybody at every emotional aspect of it, but overall, the kind of like, I'm not sure what to say, or I don't know how to let people in, or there's certain areas we don't talk about. Though That was very common, right? Very, mm. very common. And uh, so I wanted to try to figure out why is that? Why do we have such a hard time dealing with the emotional side of trauma. Why is that? And I had had plenty of trauma in my life and most people didn't even know about it, let alone know how to deal with me on it. Uh, and I think that's the case with most people is we have no idea what they've gone through. We have no idea what people are going through and what they've gone through um, because we keep that stuff just locked up inside. But later in life, when we're married or we have kids or we have good friends and we, we run into something like potentially you know, cancer, some other, um, you know, heavy thing that we're going through, we're, because that's traumatic and we haven't learned how to deal with our trauma, we don't know how to deal with the emotions over that, right? And so what I wanted to do is say, hey, uh, let me interview as many people as I can find that have super compelling stories about young adult and childhood trauma, you know, Suicide of a parent, abandonment, drug addiction, incarceration, uh, making bad decisions in life, um, being dealt a bad, bad hand in life, whatever, things that I might be able to like kind of wrap my brain around and say, hmm, later in life when they encountered something like cancer, either as a doctor or as a patient or a friend or whatever, um, how did those traumas early in their life affect them, either allow them to or inhibit them? from being able to wrap their brains around the emotional side of what they were going through. And I, and I found these very interesting, compelling, inspiring uh, people who were willing to, over a period of about two years, Rita, sit down and, and, and kind of open up all the little boxes inside the head that contained all these traumas and all these emotions and explore them with me in the hopes that we might equip the reader to go, oh, Okay, that's how I might bond with somebody in my life that's going through something traumatic. Oh, you know, oh, that might show me a little bit more behind the thought of you never know what people have gone through, or you never know what's affecting them that they've had buried for in their head for thirty years. And um, and that's what I did with with the book was bring these fifteen, you know, really remarkable, inspiring, transformative stories that just gave us insight into the human experience of what's the emotional side of trauma and how do we deal with it? And I, mm -hmm. and I wanted to do that so that, and you know what, I mean, literally when I was in the, in the midst of the project for four or five years, every single day, every single day, I came across somebody who said something like, Oh, you know, my friend Rita just told me about something, you know, at work, a friend of hers, kid just, you know, was diagnosed with cancer. I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't even want to go to work. Cause I don't know what to say to Rita. Right. Like every single day. That came up. 
or somebody would say, oh, you know, I got a friend and they're going through something and man, I'm so scared to say anything. I just haven't called them for like two weeks. I don't even know what to say, right? Every day I ran into that. So I wanted to try to say, why is that? How can we maybe change that a little bit so that we can um, help people start those hard conversations? So that's that's what that whole project was all about. Awesome. I love that. So where can people find the book if they want to purchase the book? Can they get it on Amazon, your website? Yeah. It's available on Amazon. It's available on my website, which is cycleoflives.org, uh, Barnes and Noble, bookstores, wherever. And one of the cool things is that um, each one of the participants uh, had, whether they were a doctor, or, you know, had, had cancer themselves or watched somebody that they knew died of cancer. Um, had an organization that they felt an affinity towards, the cancer organization or a hospital or a cancer center or something. And so um, we decided to, my publisher and I decided to give 100% of the proceeds. So any any money that comes in goes out to support those organizations. So um, yeah, book sales happen, but we're not, we're not looking to make money. We're looking to give the money away. But mm-hmm. um, more than that, I think uh, it's really awesome how the stories of these people in the book really are inspiring others to go, oh, that's what I, that's what I could do. Or that's, oh, that gives me some insight into, so my friend's saying, like, I know there's something wrong. And, and I keep asking, like, what's going on? And they keep saying, everything's fine. Maybe like, oh, I really get a little more insight into everything's not fine. Like, I got to push a little bit harder. I got to get uncomfortable. I got to get into their personal space and go, tell me more. Like I, w- I wanted that. I wanted people to be empowered to go. Oh shoot! I gotta, I gotta bond with that person a little bit more, or I gotta let others in when I'm going through something. And that's that's the that's the major purpose of the book. And whoever reads it tells me that's it helps them. It helps mm. them with uh, understanding. Like I don't have the answers, but but I but I just shine the light on people's experiences so they go, oh, all right, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm, I love that. It's awesome. Um, and I love that you're giving, you know, to the charities, to the book. That's mm-hmm. amazing. And I know that you're also doing this amazing, which I totally, totally, totally love because I'm always emphasizing on self-connection, self-connection. Like it's so, I think it's honestly the first step that leads to so many gifts, you know, through self-awareness, um, identifying what your values and beliefs are so you can actually do what it is and commit the right actions that align with your values and beliefs. And that's when you really get energized and also to identifying your traumas when you self-connect this way, you know why you do what you do and you need to stop and you can cut off this, the toxic actions that you're committing. There's so many gifts mm-hmm. that come with self-connection and you're offering these amazing workshops through connecting with yourself through creative writing. Yeah. Can you speak about that? Yeah, sure. I like to... Um... I like to always on the spot come up with a, an example of why this is so important, why expressive writing is so important. And what just popped into my head was like, imagine the self-talk, like like the difference in self-talk like that we have inside our head versus the way that we would say things out loud. So here's the example. I just popped in my head. So you um, got a bonus and you said, you know what, Rita? Rita deserves to go buy a new dress. And so you go shopping for a new dress and you grab you grab one that you think is going to look good. And you go in the dressing room and all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you say in your side of your head, you're like, are you literally stupid? Like yellow, you pick yellow, you look horrible in yellow. Oh my God, the lighting in here makes you look so fat. 
And it's like, probably because you are fat. Like, literally, what are you doing buying a new dress? Who's going to want to see you in this yellow dress anyway? And by the way, like, shouldn't you be saving that money instead of spending it on yourself? Like, you're always so selfish and so impulsive. And that's the way we talk to ourselves, right? Mm. Inside our head. Okay. Mm. Never in a million years, if you had a friend who said, guess what? It's my daughter's birthday. And I want to take her shopping. You want to come with us? Never in a million years would that little 10 year old girl take that yellow dress into the dressing room and you follow them and go, Hey, you know what? Why'd you pick that yellow dress? You idiot. You look really fat, but that lighting makes you feel like, why don't you take that birthday money and save it? Why, why are you so impulsive? Why do you always think about yourself? Like you never <laughs> would talk to another person the way that you talk to yourself ever. Mm-hmm. And we, we do that, right? We, we, we beat ourselves up. We limit ourselves we, 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 we try to protect ourselves from dealing with any trauma. Like there's a million ways that we talk to ourselves. Some of it's positive, some of it's negative. Um, and what I try to do with these workshops is to try to unpack some of that and say, write about traumatic things and not just, um, you know, try to spill our guts about, about things, but really like, I want to see what's that inside voice telling you about a certain situation when you write it out. When you talk about emotion rather than events, when you talk about feelings rather than actions, and, and you you examine something in a way you never have before, because you've got this inside voice going all day long, um, and for years and years and years, and you're really good at it, and you're not really good at hearing your outside voice. And when you when you write it out, how you feel about something, and especially when you read it, and God forbid you should read it in front of a mirror to yourself, you realize, oh my God, like the emotion behind this thing really needs to be explored. And I need to really reframe the way I think about things. And I need to be a lot nicer to myself. And I need to like forgive myself and I need to move on and I need to clear my mind. And like like you just start caring about yourself in a different way because you're changing the dialogue with yourself. And um, that's that's just, you know, there's, there's proven through many, many studies the medical benefits of of physical psychological emotional benefits to expressive writing Um, what i do with my workshops is try to teach people well if you're gonna have a new conversation with yourself and writing it out let me give you some tools on how to make that conversation a little bit deeper a little a little more specific and so that's what i do in my workshops i teach people how to write about emotion and feeling rather than about events and occurrences which I mean, writing out the events is fine. Making a list of things, that's that's good. It can help you. But what I like to do is have people start a new discussion with themselves. Mm, I love that. So where can people sign up to do these creative workshops with you? Just reach out to me. I, I do them for cancer organizations, mentoring groups, abuse centers, you name it. Um, I, sometimes it's a one-off workshop. Sometimes it's ongoing I got some cancer centers. I do a workshop once a month for them and it's just ad infinitum, you know, it just goes on and on and on because it's of such unbelievable value. Um, uh, because like, I'm not saying that my um, ideas are what gets people the results. It's I'm just teaching people things they've never been taught mm-hmm. on how to have a deeper conversation with themselves using the written word. That's just a concept that's just not familiar to most people. Mm -hmm. And so everybody has a story. We all have probably thousands of stories. We all have probably thousands of stories just this year. But when do we we explore them? 
And so I, that's what I get people to do. And, and especially when it comes to uh, traumatic issues, you know, the death of a loved one or the loss of a relationship or um, realizing that you um, have to finally deal with the childhood trauma that you never dealt with, those kind of things. Um, we're very unequipped to have a nice self-caring conversation with themselves. And that's what I try to help people do. So they can find out about it at my website, cycleoflives.org. Through there, they can connect with us and I can invite them to a, to a workshop. Most of the workshops I do, I don't charge for because they're for organizations that are out there helping people and why am I going to benefit off of that? So um, I can invite people in. I often do um, both professionals and the, the regular public uh, to, to join in these workshops. They're just, they're just really great. Mm, that's awesome. I love that. So go to cycleoflives.org for yeah. the book and for the workshops. Um, is there anything else, you know, anything else that you're providing to help people, any services or products, anything else? No, I mean, I do uh, public speaking about uh, things like transformation and, and um, you know, personal care and those type of things, you know, all based in some of the things we talked about. Mm -hmm. um you know so you go to are a little bit shorter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so if an organization wants to hire you to speak where can they could, do they go to cycle of war uh yeah. cycle, cycle of lives cycle of lives.org to book exactly. you okay yep. perf perfect perfect and yeah. guy and you're on and i think i researched you on youtube or, or you have like a lot of uh talks on youtube right when people want to hear well, you i speak. do only because a lot of the podcasts that i do happen to be on 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 youtube or, or live tv or 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 radio or whatever and you know i'm going to keep doing that until i until i don't but um yeah, you know, I still have several years, I think, with this project that that um, people will still find it interesting. Uh, I think it's an evergreen topic. Uh, learning how to deal with the emotional side of trauma is uh, and we're only yeah. scratching the surface of that. Right. That's only been something that people are even open to talking about in the last few years just because of the you know crap that the world's been going through. Like like self-care is not such a bad thing anymore. Right. And mm -hmm. so. Um, they can, you know, they can find and follow on YouTube or just look up on Listen Notes, you know, or Apple or podcasts or Spotify or whatever, wherever they go to find podcasts to find more information. And, you know, some of this will, will touch some people and other people will be scratching their heads going, what the hell are they talking about? You know? Awesome. I love it. I love it. And do you have anything else for people to like, do you have like a blog or an email um, newsletter people can sign up to, to stay in touch with you or anything that people everything, can? Everything's through cycleoflives.org. Okay, cool. I'm a, I'm a three person team and, and we don't have time for everything, but um, I'm hoping that, that this makes an impact. Um, you know, I, 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 I have an Audible book. The, the, the Audible and Cycle Lives is fantastic, and it, it's, it's digital, and, and obviously the book itself. But I love it because I get a lot of notes from people. You know, I, I got one um, just a little bit ago from a critical care nurse who said, I've been a critical care nurse for 15 years. I had no idea what my patients were going through. Mm. She goes, I'm, I, I think it's going to make me a better nurse. And I'm just like, wow, that's cool. Like, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. I love it. And I feel like there's just not enough. I call you basically a light worker. Like anyone that's out there, you know, creating content and spreading content on, you know, how to transform, enlighten yourself. That's a light worker to me, right? Because you're helping people be better humans. Um, and so I love it. So there's just 
love celebrating people like you because, you know, we definitely need more light to be spread. And um, so I love it. So thank you, David, for doing what you do. Keep doing what you do. Keep transforming and helping people grow and be better humans so that they and can be my be better work on growing and being better myself too, right? <laughs> yeah. So we can all live happy, being well and consistently um, as best as we can. So love it, David. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And everybody else, if this is your first time listening in, subscribe so you don't miss another episode. And remember to live happy, being well, and go follow David Richmond. Go check out his website, cyclealives.org. Buy the book, sign up for the workshop so you can live happy being well. All right, until next time, guys. Bye. If you learned something new or were inspired to live happy being well, please be sure to subscribe to the Happy Being Well podcast so you don't miss an upcoming episode. Also, please feel free to leave a five-star review, including what you learned or what inspired you in today's episode. This podcast is presented by happybeingwell.com, your online store for natural wellness products so you can live happy being well. Order your next all-natural essential oil, all-natural face mask, all-natural bath soap, all-natural deodorant, herbal tea, crystals including crystal home decor and kitchen items, irresistible leggings, and much more at happybeingwell.com. Free shipping on all orders within the USA.